we do have to stop and say, we have to address equity gaps. We have to address sense of belonging. We have to address all of these issues that have been uncovered. And we have to create space to do that because if we don't, in the long run, our broken systems are just gonna lead to more brokenness and more failure. And so um, I think it's really important to say, I'm gonna see the problem, I'm gonna own the problem, and I'm going to make time for the problem to actually address it because otherwise it just continues to get worse. So I have a lot of housekeeping I have to do first. So here's what I'm supposed to tell you. Everyone, please follow Ferris on LinkedIn because that's where we're gonna share all of our updates and other podcasts we're doing. Also, if you're watching us at, on Zoom, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube because that's where all of our um, past webinars are gonna be. If you're watching us on YouTube, please um, register for Zoom so that you can automatically get access to all of my conversations with Anthony moving forward and also participate in our polls. And then if you want to hear our previous conversations, you can follow us on Anchor um, and hear all of those podcasts. We've, I think we've been doing podcasts since, I don't know, Anthony, I can't remember our first conversation. Was it in June, maybe? May? Um, asking me um, when we're <laughs> attempting is uh, not probably the best best idea. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember dates. You, I I feel like it was. I know you since I'm twelve. So yeah, it's hard to tell, especially in the last year. It's hard to measure time, but I think it was in June. And we've had a lot of really good conversations on there. And then of course everybody can join us um, on our website to learn more about how we connect with um, students. So. Here's the big topic of conversation. We're gonna talk about sense of belonging today, but first we have some things to get out of the way. On Sunday, I sent you this picture. <clears throat> yes, and now, now, you know what, looking at it, unless you grew up in Brooklyn or you know in New York or whatever, Boston, whatever, and you're know, Italian on a Sunday, you may not know immediately what that is. You're <laughs> like, okay, what, what is that? What is that, the top of something? But uh, this, yes, you said that to me while I was eating a meatball sandwich, by the way. Really? Well, this is Sunday. You you call it gravy. I married into an Italian family, and I have to tell you the story of this sauce. is It's called DeLuca sauce after my husband's grandfather's family, DeLuca. When I married into the family, I got the recipe immediately. They're like, you got to learn how to make the sauce. I'm a really good cook. So they gave me the recipe. And for seven years, I cooked it the way they gave it to me. Okay. Oh, after I was married, don't tell, don't tell me. Don't after tell me. I was married seven years, I made oh. it for my husband's mother and her brother, yeah. the Delucas. Yeah. And he said to me, This is delicious. Is it what my grandmother used to make? And my mother in law said, Kind of. I didn't give her all of the ingredients. Oh. To which I said, Kathleen. And she said, well, I didn't know how long you were going to be around and it's a precious recipe. <laughs> so do you have all the ingredients now? Now I do. After seven years, she was like, and she left out three, actually. She told me, well, she left out two. She told me one cheese, but it's actually three cheeses. Ooh, that's right there is a, is a good, is a good. Yeah. 
So DeLuca well, I thought Costa, you were going to say you changed you change an ingredient. That's what I thought you were going to tell. No, me. no, no. I, would, I wouldn't dare. Although it, I can't believe I decided to cook it for them. That was pretty bold. I don't know what yeah. I was thinking. Well, you know, you're a good cook. You have confidence. Yeah, I mean, I, she did teach me. I learned pretty well. But then um, just tell people how long it takes to make the sauce once it's on the stove. Let yeah, it's, it's three or four hours. I mean, the longer you, the longer you do it, the better. Um, but it's definitely a three or four hour. And I think I was, you could put a little. I think you put a little more sauce in that pot, though. <laughs> My daughter was like, "This we're at the very minute maximum of this pot. We cannot put any more in." <laughs> um, okay. The other thing that's going on is brackets. How's your bracket going? <laughs> I I got the jump ball. I think I'm going to win. <laughs> who you who you betting like, like who you betting on me or I don't I don't know really the big news for me about March Madness is that my alma mater ACU I don't know if you've heard they're Cinderella so they lost yesterday but they beat UT they were uh AC was 14th UT was fourth and they beat them by one point in the last second so that's okay. that's all I needed I was right. really they, happy were, they were 18 they were 18 they were 14 and UT was oh. four. Oh, so. my what do you call my daughter's team is Iona and oh. Iona was what was what 16? Yeah, I think that's right. That's yeah, I great. thought they were 14. Yeah, they were 16 and they were doing good. I saw I put it on, I go, babe, Iona's on. And like, first of all, and this isn't a hit of my girls, but if I had a boy, not that I ever wanted a boy, I love my girls, I would have known that Rick Patino was the coach of Iona. I did not know that. Uh -huh. until I read something like a day before and I called my daughter. I go, are you kidding me? <laughs> you never told me? She goes, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, but I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so I say, so I say it's on and it's like in the second beginning of the second quarter, I'm like, they, babe, they're in the game. Yeah. They're like, they're, she's like, no, they're losing. I said, they're losing by a point. They're in the game. And then all of a sudden it was an air ball. There was falling down. I think there was some drinking going on. <laughs> well, basketball is such a fast. Yeah, you just have, I mean, in a second, you can lose the game. You, so. you know what it, what it was? I can't, who did they play against? I can't remember. Uh, um, but I you know. can just see, it was like LeBron James looking at somebody that elbowed him in the back. And it's like, oh, okay, oh, okay, all right. I, I didn't realize this is the game, okay. And then boom, and that's what they did. They were like, okay, you're getting way too close, and you're getting way too scary. Yeah, we settle need, down. Yeah, we need to put you back where you belong. <laughs> um, lots of March. Okay, lots of March Madness going on. The other thing, I so sorry, we put that picture up, but then we didn't talk about it. Did you stumble upon Dennis Rodman? <sighs> Do you really? I never told you the story. No. All right, I'm going to tell you. You want the you want what you see on TV, or you want the real story? Well, I think I want the real story. Okay. Um, <laughs> the owner of the hotel was not a great person, and Dennis Rodman, as most people know, drinks too much. So he allows Dennis to have like all these suites upstairs and do all the things that Dennis Rodman does. And so I was tearing the guy a new one, the owner, and he says, "Hey, you know, I see what Anthony's doing. I didn't know Dennis was there." Um, let me talk to him, right? So I was like, I don't want to talk to this, Rob. I mean, I, I like him. I respect him as a Hall of Famer. Great, you know, great basketball player. But I have no, I'm in the middle of my zone. I don't yeah. need to, to have this Rob tell me that this guy's a great guy, right? right? So he wants to tell me the guy's a great guy. So director convinces me, so I'll do it. So the director says, meet him in the middle of the lobby when I say action. So he comes around the corner, I come around the corner. Never saw the guy before a day in my life. And as I'm walking up to him, I go, wow, Dennis Rodman. So he was at like, he was half a drunk on, and as they say in Brooklyn, and he goes, 
wow, Dennis Rodman. And he hits me in the chest and he pushes me back and he goes, do it again. So I went like this. Are First you of serious? all, yeah, yeah, I swear you, it's 100% true story. It's on, it's on somebody's B-roll somewhere. And I, I guess I stand square, I stand like a boxer. So when he hit me, I absorbed it. But when he, when he pushed me, I didn't move and my entire body shook. I mean, it felt like he broke every bone in my body. Guys, oh my 700 pounds and seven feet tall, <laughs> or eight feet tall. And he hit me and like every bone in my body broke, it felt like. So I'm standing there going like that. I'm just like this. And I didn't, it didn't compute. And then I lost my mind. I lost my mind. I tried to beat up Dennis Rodman. They had four people had pulled me off of, of, he walked away, like looking at me like little, little man, please. And, but I lost my mind and like people just jumped on top of me and I'm screaming, I'm cursing, I'm yelling. And I'm like, who the hell is he to think he's going to hit me? And then they calmed me down. And then that picture was taken after I'm calm and I'm willing to do the scene. And we did the scene and the rest is history. But that, yeah, oh I, 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 I tried to beat up that. <laughs> Hey, that's a great two truths and a lie. You know that game? Two truths and a lie? Say, right, yeah, right. you say two true things and one lie, and you could say, I tried to beat up Dennis Rodman. He was like, that's crazy. And you'd be like, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, but you know what? Most people I play that game would probably say, yeah, you're stupid enough to do that. <laughs> I believe it. I believe that would happen. Okay, time for 20 questions. I figured out I've asked you 228 questions. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for doing all this work. I always appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Um, What do you do in your free time? Play poker. Are you more of an indoor or outdoor person? Outdoor. What's your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Manhattan Special Coffee Soda. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. What's your favorite restaurant? Gargilio's in Coney Island. Okay. Or, or Michael, Michael's in on, on Flappers, uh, Notion Avenue. It's very good. Okay. How many siblings do you have? Uh, two. Uh, what would your perfect morning be like? Um, sitting, uh, sitting on the beach um, with some kind of shake, uh, just staring at the sunrise, and then going uh, into my yard and doing a really good workout session with my trainer. Okay. What is your favorite app on your phone? Poker Atlas, because I know where all the poker games are. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Um, what's the strangest place you've ever been? Vietnam. And strange in the sense of growing up, um, you, like especially I grew up in the uh, mid-60s. I was a baby, but 70s, when everything was all about Vietnam and Vietnam War was over. And it was just so I had this sense that I was going to go there and they're going to look at me and want to arrest me. And the exact opposite was like going to your, you know, your, your mother-in-law's house for Italian sauce. And, wow. or, you know, it was a completely, there's a picture of me on my Instagram, which I'm surprised you never found with a bunch of kids instantly Vietnamese children yeah. over me and just like hugging me and taking a picture with me and smiling. And uh, so it was the strangest place in the sense of it was most, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Ha Long Bay is insanely gorgeous, just surrounded by just mountains of lie, uh, uh, rock and just 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 unbelievable. Um, and yeah, that was the strangest place because it, it wasn't I, I didn't expect it. Yeah, different than what you expected. Um, what is expensive but totally worth it? You're not going to like my answer. Oh, dear. A poker game. (laughs) 
should just, I'm just going to write in poker for all of these. That's it. That's actually really relevant. So that's good. Okay. What machine or appliance in your house aggravates you most? Mm, now you got me. You don't usually get me. I usually can answer it. Um, <laughs> since I don't really turn on too many, my wife handles everything. So um, uh, I would say if I had a guess, I would say uh, the dishwasher. <laughs> okay. okay. And then the last one is what is the most, the highest number of people you have presented in front of live? 5,000. 5,000? Uh -huh. Wow. I had to put in live because otherwise it'd be like millions of people, you know, right. watch you right. every day. So, all right, we'll learn something new. Poker is the well, theme of the day. Well, that was 20 questions. Yeah. Well, I had, you know, I always do 19. Okay. So I've, right. you know, fewer than normal. Um, all right. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. I want to do state of the union, like always. And then I am going to talk about upstream thinking. And I'm gonna weave in one of your Hotel Impossibles to um, this idea of upstream thinking. You're really good at this. And so this book uh, by Dan Heath is what I'm gonna be talking about today, but there's a lot of examples um, in your work. And then also just, I think the way that you think about things is really similar to this, this idea. And then we'll talk about that specifically as it relates to student success. So let me talk about State of the Union. It's really funny that you said LeBron James because I have an article that I wanna talk about about LeBron James. He has done some really amazing things, but he um, has a new foundation or a relatively new foundation where he has pledged I Promise scholarships, which means all of the students in his program are guaranteed a free four-year scholarship at the University of Akron. So that's 2,300 students that could receive a scholarship. It's about $50,000 per student, which means the foundation could provide over $109 million in college scholarships, which is amazing. Like that, if that's all he did, that would be amazing. But then he also worked to create this I Promise school for all of these students where he tried to solve all of the barriers that stop students from graduating from high school. So first of all, it's July through May. So they don't have the, the learning slide that sometimes happens when you have a really long summer. School days start at nine with all of the students eating breakfast with their teachers before they start class. Um, they have STEM camps every summer. They have socio-emotional uh, learning. There's no tuition. Everybody gets free uniforms. They get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They also get a bicycle and a helmet so they can get there. And if they're more than two miles away, they get to ride on the bus. They have a food pantry and they have a, something called the I Promise Village, which is half a mile away that gives rent-free housing to students who are homeless or have domestic violence or some other unforeseen circumstances. So they're expecting their first graduating class spring of 21. So that's now. So he started this. He's seen these students. I remember when he started. Doesn't it make you want to cry? It makes I you want to cry love it so much because it's like here's the problem and we're going to look upstream and i'm just going to fix everything that's going to be a barrier for these students it's and what's, what's amazing is isn't that the reason we pay our taxes it's like such an easy like if if you had a bunch of entrepreneurs in the room which i'm sure he did and we all sat you and i and matt we just sat down three of us in an afternoon said okay how do we fix this problem we would come up with the same solutions, right? Yeah, Why right. can't government come up with those solutions? Yeah, I don't know. It's such a, 
it is, it, I love the, the conclusion of this article, which is like LeBron didn't go to college. What he did instead was say, I cannot go to college and I can make all this money and then I'm going to send all of these kids to college so that they can be successful. So right. I love it. I'm so happy. And, 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 and if you go back, you know, even if I go to my childhood, it's like all the barriers that he was talking about were all the barriers that got in my way. The right. Air Force solved those problems. The Air Force was my LeBron James. So it's, it's brilliant. I wish that was, I, I wish that was in my life when I was nine. Yeah, it's awesome. The other thing that I've been diving into, did you hear that NCAA is um, doing an extra year of eligibility for recruiting? No. So no. now instead of five years to do your four years of eligibility, you have six years. So as long as you didn't play like 50% of your games, you can come back the next year. So it's going to change how coaches recruit. They're going to get fewer freshmen. They're going to have more um, older players. So it's going to be really interesting to see what well, happens. There was a kid on Iona's team that was 24 years old. And I, I said, how is, he, how is he playing college ball at 24? Wow. That's really surprising. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe your daughter can play another year. Um, well, she's going to play. Well, you said four years and now it's five. They, they have four years, but they have, they used to have five years to complete their four years. So if they redshirted a year, and right. now they'll have six years to complete their four years. Yeah, my daughter's taking the five-year teacher program, so uh, oh. that, that's good news for her. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then the last thing is that Moody's raised higher education outlook um, from negative to stable on Monday. So Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Moody Investor Services raised its outlook of the U.S. higher education sector from negative to stable on Monday. Oh, that's so good. That's really We'll take good. it. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah, same oh. thing's happening in the hotel industry. We're starting to, I was just in the airport this morning. I mean, people are traveling. It's crazy. Yeah, everything is opening up for sure. And Anthony, a win for you, which is, you remember years and years, um, years, it just feels like years. Months and months ago, you said, presidents should be meeting with their students every day. So PBA, um, their president started doing this months and months ago. And so there's a great article in the Associated Press about how she was like, this was a thing I could control. I could meet with our students every single day and just say, how's it going? What do you need? Are we doing a good job? What do we need to do differently? Um, and PBA is one of our clients. So I know Kate attended those sessions and it's just awesome. Again, another common sense approach that gets media attention that everybody applauds, which they should, but why wasn't everybody doing that? <laughs> right, right. Well, Kate at PBA is the one who told me she eats the quarantine lunch. She's like, every day they bring the quarantine lunch to me and that's what I have for lunch because I want to know what, how are we that doing, is, right? So see, I see that it. I like, that I like, because that, that, that's, that, that's a good general manager. That's right. It's awesome. Okay, so we are in part three of our sense of belonging. Last week, I talked to a student about sense of belonging, so that was a really fun conversation. Next week, I'm going to talk to Dr. Woosley about some of the research about sense of belonging. But last time you and I were together, we talked about how you're communicating sense of belonging in your language and how freshmen are on campus and what they're doing in academics versus their home life, external support. And I want to broaden our conversation today to talk about systems because there are so many systems that are broken and are not conducive to students being successful. And we have to zoom out and figure out how to fix those systems instead of just living in the systems and perpetuating all of the difficulties. So this is something that you said that I thought was really relevant. Worry is wasted 
preparation is energy well spent. So I love that because we can be worried about whether or not students can be successful, or we can just be like, hey, stop. How about we work it out and prepare so that we can create a pathway for them to be successful? And that's yeah. good energy, right? Yeah, that's it, yeah. It, 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 you know, again, my mantra is I don't fix problems, I prevent them. I mean, that's my mantra. I mean, I just hate problems, I hate them. Yeah. Uh, and, when, and when I'm faced with a problem, you know, you gotta deal with it. But I right. just like, why? Like a, a problem that could be prevented to me, if you, if you on, the, uh, on the 19 questions you asked me what my pet peeve is, if I don't say that, make sure I say that. Okay, <laughs> I'll be like, I know the answer to this one. So this book upstream, um, their main premise is we find ourselves reacting to problems and putting out fires and dealing with emergencies. We should shift our attention to preventing them. And here's a quote from Anthony Melchiori. <clears throat> When I was at the Plaza Hotel, it was 1991, I think, and I was the front office manager. I remember we had a lot of complaints, and my boss spent most of his time just responding to complaints. This was before the internet and email and TripAdvisor. He would spend a lot of time just writing letters to guests, and I said to myself, wouldn't it be great if we prevented the freaking problems? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Then I could spend more time with my customers. So, wow, I said that. I said that a while ago. Yeah, and I remember. And I remember saying it, and I remember feeling that. And um, we wrote the best. I'm sorry, letters. The best. <laughs> he was the best writer of. I'm sorry. And he, the guy's a president of a major company right now. Um, but all he did on Saturday was look at his stock portfolio and look at the New York Times. And Monday through Friday, he made sure I was doing everything. You know, so he looked good. And um, he wrote the best letters. Like oh I was like, gosh. so, so it's, he was a journalism major and in college and it showed, and that's all he did. And he was so impressed with the letters, but I, like, he never once said, how did you solve?" he never said to me, Anthony, how did we solve that problem? I was solving them all, but he, he wrote less and less letters as I was, you know, as, as I got older he, there. Yeah. He was a little sad. He's like, I'm really good at this. Why are you taking away my favorite? But like, like I, I, it's funny. Thanks for bringing that up again. I forgot that. I forgot that. But that I remember feel that was a real, that probably changed the way I looked at hotels. Yeah. Because I was like, what a waste of time. Well, the parable in this upstream book that I wanted to talk about, which I think you'll really appreciate is here's what they say. They say, you and a friend are having a picnic by the side of the river. Suddenly you hear shouting from the direction of the water. The water, a child is drowning. Without thinking, you dive in, grab the child, swim to shore. Before you can recover, you hear another child cry for help. You and your friend jump back in the river to rescue her as well. Then another struggling child drifts into sight. Then another and another. The two of you can barely keep up. Suddenly you see your friend wading out of the water, seeming to leave you alone. Where are you going, you demand. Your friend answers, I'm going upstream to tackle the guy who keeps throwing all these kids in the water, <laughs> right? So this idea of we are so focused on saving the kids in the river that we're not like, why are all of these kids drowning in the river? What's happening, right? So- <laughs> I remember that, that was a good one, it's true. Yeah. It is true. And you just get so focused on like the thing that you, but you know what's interesting. You know what's interesting? I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, it, 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 it's a mindset. And I don't know if I was born with it. I don't know if you were born with it. I don't know if Matt was born with it. But this is what we all have. And what we have is solve the problem. It's like it's not even it's not even a thought. It's not even like, oh my God, that was so bad. It's what like we do. Okay. We gotta like, yeah. but, but it's but it's an instant like boom. So like like I don't even worry about what happened 
Like, I don't yeah. even, like, okay, whatever. It's a mess. He's pissed off. He's never come back to the hotel. The employee's quitting. Everybody hates me. I can care less. Right. Why did this happen? Solve it. Like, solve it one time. I think right. that's the thing is that I just, I don't, I would, I want to spend my energy fixing a thing that fixes a bunch of things as opposed right. to just fixing the things as right. they tackle the Tackle the guy throwing the kids in the water. <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. So this relates to sense of belonging because sense of belonging is a problem, but we have these systems that keep that thing in place. And so we've got to take this broader perspective. So I'm going to use one of your hotels to help us. Here's the clue about this hotel. Do you know what hotel um, it, it was right around? Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's right around. Uh, it's Hollywood Boulevard. It's right around. Yep. Hollywood Liberty Hotel. So it's season three, episode 11, um, titled I, Hollywood Nightmare. I have a I have a backstory to this. After oh. remind me after we talk about it, and okay. I'll tell you that I've never told anybody, but because okay. you're you, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> okay. Well, this is Leah and Moaz. They bought this hotel out of foreclosure for three million dollars, and I want to use this hotel, so I'm going to weave it throughout because there's a couple of different places. I want to relate it to what they're saying in upstream. So the first thing they talk about in upstream is barriers. Um, to success. <clears throat> the very first one is problem blindness. And problem blindness is the idea that you cannot solve a problem that you can't see or one that you perceive as regrettable, but inevitable. There's nothing to be done about it. In counseling, we talk about this in terms of pre-contemplation. Like you haven't even thought that this is a problem yet, right? Um, so COVID, what, what COVID did was made us see a lot of things that we never understood before were problems. Now in this hotel, here's an example of the rooms. None of these things did she consider to be problems, right? Um, the very, there's very few hotels you can show me and I'm not an angry guy, so I can't say I'm angry, but like, it just, it just. I guess I, I, it enrages you. I guess I am angry. It's just like, because when you talk, when you go through the other things, you'll you'll know why. Yeah, I mean, you know why I was angry. But I do know uh, why. It, it was it was it's insane that this like <laughs> like if it, if I didn't go through this if for, for seven eight years, if I didn't do this every day for my career for eight years, I would not believe these hotels exist. Forget about wow. the people, because I, I I you know ninety percent of the people you know. Okay. <laughs> Okay. You know, right. Yeah. Right. It's like you do you. You do you. I'll yeah. stay over here. But like, like they, these hotels can actually stay open, and people can actually sleep in these kind of hotels that are not drug addicts. Right. Are, like it's insane to me. Absolutely. It insane. is insane. That's like that hotel. Just to put everybody that maybe knows Hollywood um, or Times Square. Uh, it's right around the corner from uh, uh, the Chinese theater, the famous yes. Chinese theater. The Academy Awards happened literally 10 feet away. It's right, right actually in, the, in, in the, the backyard, literally backyard. It's like the uh, other, yeah. Well, here's the front door. Of, here's the front door of the Chinese theater. Okay. This is the back door of the Chinese theater. And this is the front door of the hotel. So oh it's God. literally right there. You could throw a baseball two feet and hit it. And in Times Square, it would be like you're standing under the ball in Times Square. Right, you right. It's Merritt Marquis. It's the Merritt Marquis location <laughs> in Times Square. Yeah, it's a crazy. So first of all, pre-contemplation, thank you. You went into the hotel and you're like, I don't know how you haven't looked around and seen what a wreck it is, but it's a problem. And this is part of the issue that you're having. Okay, the next barrier is lack of ownership. 
which let me just pause and say in academics, this is a really hard thing because we um, sometimes in academics have, it's the student's fault. Good luck with that. And they didn't do what they should have. They should have done this, you know, whatever. Or I'm on the academic side of the house. That's a financial aid issue. Or I'm on the student development side of the house. That's an academic issue. So a lot of times we resist ownership of problems, which only means that they just hang out. Um, if we are not addressing sense of belonging, if, if you are not addressing sense of belonging, then it's going to stay a problem. You have to own problems. In this case, her response to you, so here's the picture, finding a syringe. Can I, can I, can I, can I quote what I said? Yes, please. If I remember if this is the scene he's talking about. Anthony, please, I have other things to worry about. Yeah, this is her face when she said that. Hold on. She's like, that is not my problem. Right. So I don't know what you want me to do about people are doing drugs in my hotel, basically. Right. Right. <laughs> and you're like, it's really funny because there's occasionally I see your brain break where you're like, what kind of person is this? <laughs> right? Like I've encountered a different kind of person who just says it's not my problem if people are doing drugs in my hotel it, 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 it it's it's twofold right it's like in retrospect like when i go back an hour later i'm like oh wow that's going to be a good that's going to be a good moment for the show but in the moment uh, yeah i'm saying that but i'm saying it in a way different way and there's probably a few f words in my brain like what the f is she thinking like yeah. what are you talking it's like and but then you're also computing that you're, do I fight and care or I don't? Right. Because there, there's, there, there's a moment where you just stop caring and it doesn't matter what she says. It just doesn't matter. Right. Um, because it's like, I don't care. So if you don't care, I don't care. So I'm out, I'm done, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, it's yours. It's your yeah. hotel and you don't- but there, was, there, there was something about her that made me stay. There was something about her that I think I, I I could have I could have had an in. I think I think I could have broken through. And yeah. then I, you know, at some point I realized she her brain was broken. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other um, thing that you see in this episode is this idea of tunneling, which is I don't have time for that. Which oh, I will say in higher favorite. education, yeah. In higher education, I think COVID, we've had some grace because we're like, I really don't have time for that. I'm, I am doing a bunch of other stuff that is not my job. Um, but as we start to, to get to our next normal, we do have to stop and say, we have to address equity gaps. We have to address sense of belonging. We have to address all of these issues that have been uncovered. And we have to create space to do that because if we don't, in the long run, our broken systems are just going to lead to more brokenness and more failure. And so um, I think it's really important to say, I'm going to see the problem, I'm going to own the problem, and I'm going to make time for the problem to actually address it, because otherwise it just continues to get worse. Um, this hotel, Anthony, I it was making me so crazy because you were saying to her, this place is dangerous you need to have an inspector come in and look at, and she was like, I need to know where people are going to park. Right. I have I love, problems. I love, I love that you grabbed these screenshots. This is my favorite. What am I in that big shot right there that you, you have there? I remember exactly what I was thinking. What do you think I was thinking in that moment? 
I mean, I think that you were like, I cannot understand why you've called me here and why you're so intent to not have an inspector. Right? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it was. So I, I mean, we, no, no, that, that, that what you said. This is what I was thinking. Oh. It was something like that, but it was more intense than that. It was like, and I swear to God, I was thinking this. It was like, why are you out of the hospital? I mean, that's serious. It's like, did you escape? Are you off your medication? Listen, did this you, is what this is the note that Matt wrote to me when you said, "What were you thinking?" Prison. I can't. I can't see it. I can't it see says it. prison. Yeah. Like, did you escape from prison? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what. Right. I, I was thinking. That's exactly right, Matt. Good. Good guess. That I was thinking. Did you escape? Where did you escape from? Yeah. And and Matt, I'll tell you the backstory to it later. And yeah. Not too far. Yeah, too far off. <laughs> so you're, so this is funny because this is one of the only times I've seen you have to walk away. You didn't go far. You just did a U-turn. You just were like, I'm just going to take a little walk around. I'm going to come back. And the reason you do that, it's kind of like with your children, your family, your wife or your husband or whatever. It's like, I'm giving myself a time out <laughs> because everything that's going through the system, it's yeah. just bad. Settle it down. If it, if it comes out. I'm going to apologize. And I don't like apologizing yeah. because I have better control of myself than that. So it's not that I don't like apologizing. I can apologize easy. It's like, I have to have better control of myself than to have to, I know I'm going to have to apologize yeah. for what's about to come out of my mouth. Right. So what I love about this is, and we'll talk a little oh bit about God. how- You're getting all the, you're getting all the shots. How you got to this place, but you basically brought her to a place where you were like, you have to deal with this thing. You cannot ignore it. You cannot put your focus on other things. If you don't get this thing worked out, which is you need an inspection, you don't even know if this building is safe. There's nothing else that we're going to do here that's going to be meaningful at all, right? So the barrier of you have to deal with this right now, I think is super important. Um, okay, so I want to move on to how we work through the system. And we're going to keep talking about this hotel but you think about all of the systems on a campus that, that reinforce equity gap, that reinforce students feeling like they don't belong and they can't be successful. And so I wanna go through each of these elements um, and talk about them. The very first one is actionable data. This is the difference between data for inspection versus data for the purpose of learning. So we wanna get all the right people around the table and we want them to tell us what they need to tell us and we don't want it to be like, huh, that's interesting. We want it to be like, okay, here's what we're going to do because of that data. So it's not a like nice to know. It's like, a, how do I get the right data to the frontline people so that they can make the right decisions? Um, and on a campus, this might be the difference between like institutional research, which has a bunch of stuff they have to report to the government. So they're doing data analysis. And then what we do with our clients where we go in and we say, we have higher education data analysts who are going to tell you here are the populations and here's where you need to focus and here are groups of students who are not doing as well as they um, should. And a really important element of getting the right people and the right data is that when everything is cause for alarm, then nothing is cause for alarm. It's like noisy data where there's all of this, but there's this and there's this and there's this and it doesn't set you up to be successful. It's so, like parenting, right? We, we've all seen those parents where they're yeah. always pissed off or they're always upset or they're always running. So the kid is like, whatever. It's like, yeah, whatever. right. Where in my family, if I raise my eyebrow, because I rarely do, 
my daughter's like, oh dear, <laughs> right? Because Actually, not yeah, everything yeah. is cause for alarm. So when I'm alarmed, we better get alarmed, right? Um, I, uh, I, I'm always, um, I, I'm the nice person in the world until I'm not. And when I'm not, I get, like I've said before, I get ridiculously quiet and everybody gets worried. Scared, everyone scatters. So let's talk about this hotel and what you did to get the right data. Okay, you... but, can we, but can we, before you do that, I don't know if you're gonna, oh wow, Larry looks so young there. Um, <laughs> before we do, you can go there, you can go to those pictures. Uh, before we bring the gentleman in, um, she literally said, that she had bigger problems with parking, luggage, and something else. And she would not listen to me. Right, we're gonna go, right, right, and housekeeping. And we're not gonna be able to go through. So, so I said, wait, somebody may die in this hotel in five minutes. Cause, cause like literally it was that critical. Yeah. Fire alarms weren't working, thing, it was just terrible. And, and I remember going to my producer and uh, he was just pushing through, pushing through. I was like, dude, I got to solve those problems before yeah. she can listen to me. I was like, so he goes, we don't have time. And how many minutes did I give? 20, give, give 20 minutes. I said, are you going to go through that now? I am. I have a great picture. Okay. You, you finished it in 19 minutes and 16 seconds. So I will talk about it, but you're exactly right. Before you could address the real issue, you had to be like, give me your stupid things. Can we move on now? Right. Um, so here you have three experts. You have the fire inspector or like a electrician inspector. And then this is a hotel consultant who's going to help them. No. And, and not all, just a hotel consultant, but like a, a big time hotel consultant. And all of them gave her data. Like, hey, I know that the previous owner that you bought this from said it was fine, but you've had fires. You have faulty wiring. Your plumbing is shot. Your drywall is a wreck you're not a general manager, you're not managing well. I mean, all of this information coming to her so that she could make good decisions. She didn't expect a hotel when she bought it. There were fires in her hotel. Yeah. She had no idea there were fires in her hotel. Cause she and never- And fire damage, right? She never, that, that's what I'm saying. There was fire damage, she never yeah. inspected it. <sighs> okay. Yeah, she look at you, you're not even on the show and you can't- I know, it, she was, she really stressed me out. It stressed me out that there could be all of this data that she didn't have, and yet she made such a huge decision, um, and even that she was resistant to the data. So, okay, the second thing um, that I want to talk about is designing a system, and so I have to tell you this, <laughs> this story. In Upstream, they say the system is the water. So here's the story. There are two fish swimming along. They happen to meet an older fish swimming with the other, the other way, who nods at them and says, morning, boys, how's the water? The two young fish swim over for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love because that's exactly what systems are, right? We're just like in the system and we're not paying attention and it just does what it does. And we, we don't realize that there's so much control and there's so many hints and nudges and language and all of that stuff in the system because we're just completely oblivious to it you, you know what it's, it's so funny you said that and i don't know if this relates but it was very interesting i was on a plane this morning i took an early flight from uh tampa and uh all of a sudden i'm looking out the window and i'm seeing this i'm seeing the sky and i'm seeing the clouds and the sunrise and it's gorgeous and i'm taking pictures 
and I close my shade and I'm about to watch a movie. Um, and I said, imagine if we had planes for all these years and when you're up in the sky, you never had a window. They just closed you into this right. tube and you'd be like, okay, it's a plane. It's, you get on the plane. That's what happens. And you go up and of course you can't see the sky. I mean, it's crazy out there. Yeah. And you just, and, and you never had, you've never seen a sunrise from a plane. And if you've ever seen a sunrise from a plane, it's nothing like it. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it's literally breathtaking. And, and I said to myself, it's just a system. I'm in a plane. You can see the sunrise from the sky. It's just a system, but take that away. And then all of a sudden, could you imagine today, uh, Delta Airlines was going to announce they have a plane with windows. There would be nothing else on the internet or on all the right. news channels. And there would be news channels from all over the world that were going to see a sunrise from a plane. Yeah, that's like, true. So it, it's the same thing. It's The system is just the system. It like, makes it transparent. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, when you step back and you're like, oh my goodness, like now all of a sudden I see what we're talking about. Right. Um, the other interesting thing about a system, I love this quote, which is that um, every system was designed to get the results it gets. So your system Ooh, like is like set that. up to get exactly what it gets, which is why we have to examine it. Because when you're not doing a good job of supporting students who don't feel like they belong and aren't graduating, then guess what? Your system was set up to do that. So we've got to go in and fix that problem. I'm um, posting that. Is that, is that Dan Heath's uh, quote? Yeah, I'll send it to you exactly, but that's, it is from his book, yeah. Um, so I just love the idea. I In his book, he talks about things like there's a cafe where they keep people keep throwing away the trays, and so they design the trash cans with a round hole, and no one ever throws away the tray again. We didn't have to post signs. We didn't have to yell at people. We didn't have to tell them. We didn't, we just changed the shape of the, the top, right? Um, that's brilliant. And that's, yeah. And that's I love that because we solved the problem. I think about, um, we worked with a school years ago where students weren't, weren't registering for classes the next semester. And we were like, what is the problem? Why? And they said, they don't know where their advisors are. They're all over campus. They don't know where they are. So we worked with them that after their big weekly meeting, we're setting up advisors outside as all the students are coming. Here's your advisor. Come and meet with them. Get registered for your classes. That is a system that's created to get what it gets, which is students' registration. Results. You know, we, yeah. we, we, I was running a really big hotel, and we had purchase order issues, and th this person, that person, the purchase orders got lost. It took too long. And I said, okay, we have a 9 o'clock meeting every morning, so everybody knows where everybody is. Bring all your purchase orders. They go, that takes too long. I said, no, it takes too long. Just listen to you complain about purchase orders. <laughs> exactly. We're going to set it up so I don't have to do that anymore. So this is where I want to talk about your 20 minutes where you said, you set it up exactly right. Like she's like, but I have bigger problems. And you're like, you're so ridiculous. I'm going to cross off all these symptoms so that we can actually talk about the bigger issue, which is everything is a disaster. Right. And, and I so did that. I did that for twofold one to shut her up. But also, so my, my, my uh, director can be convinced that just give me 20 minutes, like stop wasting my time. Just give me 20 minutes and I'll get it solved. And he goes, all right, I'll get to the, uh, get to the questions. I said, just give me 20 minutes of clock in her. Don't give me the questions. If she asks me operational questions that I don't know, just cancel the show. <laughs> well, it was so funny because she wanted to spend her time on like, how do I take care of luggage? You're like sticky notes next. How do I, where do they park? Put up signs and tow them. Next. What do I do with my breakfast? Shut it down. Nobody likes it. You're not charging enough. Next. 
<laughs> housekeeping. I will get you everything you need for housekeeping. We're going to clean up this closet. Okay, now can we talk about how your house, your your hotel is going to burn down? Um, but, 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 but in, in the 20 minutes... I explained in detail in each section, yeah. like how those, how those notes, like everything, like it was solved. It wasn't like, like, like just like you're annoying me. No. It was like, no, I'm going to give you the real answer. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be calm and I'm going to treat you with respect, but you got 20 minutes. That's yeah. it. And that's all, all we're going to give you. Exactly. So um, okay, the next one is about how do you get close to data? So how do you understand the problem? There's a lot of, sorry, how do you get close to the problem? So one is through data, the other is by asking people, but the other is by walking through the actual experience or by mapping the actual experience. So the examples I want to give under academics for this are things like, um, you know, at Ferris, I always talk about how I was an at-risk college student. So all of our technology that we build and all of our language that we use and all of the consulting that we do is filtered through my 18-year-old brain of whether or not I would hear unconditional positive regard or you're in trouble and shaming. Well, you can't understand that perspective unless you've walked that perspective. You have no idea all the ways an at-risk student is sensitive to everything they're doing wrong and and feeling like they're a failure. You have no idea unless you've actually experienced that, right? So the idea that for the equity gap and sense of belonging, you can't think of all the ways that you are sending messages that those students are perceiving in a way completely different than you intended. And the, the best way to get to that is to either um, look at data or ask them or walk with them and say, how did you hear this? Or what did you think about this thing? Um, and if you're not listening to people who can inform that perspective, you're going to totally miss it because you can't imagine the ways that they feel like they don't fit. Right. And a thousand percent. And it's relatively easy to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes by asking questions. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty, that's right. Solutions. I love this quote from the book, which is move your chair. Why don't you, which is like, Hey, you have your perspective and that's where you live. But if you would move your chair, you would get a different perspective and it would help you understand what's actually going on. So this idea that we don't just stand where we are, but that we are trying to figure out what is the other perspective. Um, and Anthony, you did this in this hotel when you said to the woman, the inspector was there and you were like, there's fire damage, there's been fire, your electricity is a wreck, blah, blah, blah. We're getting the data, we're asking the questions, all that stuff. And then you said to her, you basically were like, hey, move your chair. Because you said to her, would you let your five children sleep here? Which is you picking up her chair from a hotel owner and moving her to being a mom. And she was like, no. And you're like, no, but she, but she hesitated. She hesitated. <laughs> I remember she every, thought every about it. She <laughs> thought about it because because she was going to lie to me, and and so she was she was she was dealing with and 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 this is an interesting part. You you you. She met me on the show. She sees me. She and she only sees me on the show. She doesn't see me off camera. Yeah. She feels that you're going to. There's going to be an alarm bell if you lie to me. Like you know, there's a consequence to what's about to come right. out of your mouth. Right. So if you say yes, 
you're going to have a long freaking day because there's no way you're getting that password. It's not like, oh, you would? Really? Why? That's interesting. Uh-huh. I wouldn't. It would be right. like, that would just like the explosion. I would still be exploding right now. And so she caught herself and she goes, no. Right. right. Yeah. But it's such a great, it's a great example of someone who's entrenched in this position, this, 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 this. And you're like, hey, you're somebody else too, though. You're a mom. Can we just move you over here to being a mom? And then what's your your response going to be? And it it shifts that perspective. perspective It's why I think the PBA president decided to have those meetings because she was a mom and she was like, I'm, yes, I'm the president of a school, but also I'm a mom and I've got to check on my kids and see how they're doing. I want to meet with them and see what's happening. So that shift I think is so um, important as you're looking at systems. So would you let your kids sleep here? No, fine. Okay. The next one I have is about early warning systems. I have a lot to say about this one just in terms of academics. So, you know, some people like noise. What you should be doing as you're looking for your systems is trying to find ways that you can identify students really early and easily um, that are great predictors. So things like um, our stoplight survey, which I know you and I have talked about before, it's a high predictor early in the semester about students who are struggling. I'd love to talk to anyone about that. It's a great practice. Um, But what's really nice is that with this idea of early predictors, you have to have a very long runway because you telling me that somebody is struggling um, and then like the next day they fail does not help me at all. I'm glad you could tell me that they're going to fail, but one day does not give me enough time to act. I need to be able to then do something about what's happening. And also, depending on the problem you're trying to solve, your capacity to manage false positive is really important. So in stoplight surveys, we're asking faculty to tell us the difference between a red light student and a yellow light student. And yellow students that faculty give a yellow light to might not be doing that badly. They might in the end be really successful. We can manage that false positive of an at-risk student just by sending them an email and saying, hey, I hope you're doing okay. And it doesn't cost us a lot and it makes a huge difference in them feeling like they, they're seen versus other um, software and practices where it's just noisy data. There's this and this and this and this is coming in and they got this grade and this and that. And you're like, I need something I can count on and something that will give me the runway to be able to manage those students really well. And to make a decision, to make a decision. To make, Absolutely. Like, like, like what, what code red are we on? Are we on, like you said, yellow, red, where, where are we? And uh, that, that's critical in, in, in any business, especially when it's the human capital business. Yeah, absolutely. So that idea, um, thank you, Kirk. I just got one of our panelists that says the stoplight survey has changed our institution. It's a wow. Yeah, it's a really powerful. So you know what you're doing? (laughs) (laughs) You're you're utilizing best practices. We love it. Um, I would just like to say some people, I've met some people who like noise. They don't like actionable. They like noise. That makes me crazy. Like, I don't want all the data. I want the right data. Because really what we're trying to do is solve the problem, not like take a bath in data, right? So let's have some good early warning systems. Yeah, yeah I, I, and 
usually the reason I made a career out of turning around hotels, the hotels are noisy. They're very noisy. And and when you come in, because of my personality, I, I get louder than the hotel. I'm yeah. the loudest person in the hotel. And I don't mean physically like screaming or yelling, but you know, by lunchtime, I'm running your hotel. Like, you right. know, it. like by lunchtime, you know, who's in charge. Because so you're providing structure, right? You're just like, everything settled down. This is what we're going to do. Right. Well, you but literally, and this is an institution, a business is you got to grab it quick. And then you got to come up with the processes in red, light, green. But if you don't grab it and you don't yeah. just like say, hey, I got to be bigger than the noise, then the noise is going to consume you. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Okay. Our next one I want to talk about is about how do you know you're succeeding? I know you have a lot to say about this, but I, I just wanted to talk about this ghost victory, which is where you think you're doing a great job, but really you're making some mistakes. So in higher education, this would be like attributing uh, success to your work, which would be like, hey, we're giving more students financial aid this semester. Well, everybody is giving their students more financial aid because COVID is a disaster and we have to figure out what to do. So you're not, that's not a metric of success. Everybody is doing that. It's a ghost victory. I'm glad you can talk about it, but it, it's not actually something that you've done. Um, the next is where you have success in your short-term goals, but not your long-term mission. So in higher education, this would be, we've increased our retention but that is not translating to increased graduation rates. So I'm glad that you're keeping them freshman to sophomore year, but if they're not graduating, your long-term mission is graduates of the institution to change their lives through higher education. And so closing the equity gap for retention is great, but if it doesn't result in graduation of those students, then don't be confused. That's a ghost victory. It is What's something- the average- What's the, what's the average graduation from freshman to senior in four years in, 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 in the U.S.? Do you know? Yeah, I don't. Do you know, Do you know, Matt, what the average is? I think it's about 45%. It's pretty low. Only 45%. Yeah, wow. it's pretty low. And sometimes they do an even broader measure, which is like um, six-year graduation rates. And that's a little bit higher, but I don't think it's much higher. Those that you are attending, if you have any ideas about um, what the average is, please tell us. Um, okay, and then the last one I want to talk about is short-term goals undermining long-term missions, which is something like increasing your class size. So, wow, we have a much bigger um, incoming class, but we're not retaining them at all. And so that would be another ghost victory where it's something that you want to brag about, but it's maybe not the heart of we have a long-term mission that we want to succeed, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to measure the right things and accurately. So I like this idea of we must be impatient for action, but patient for outcomes. And I feel like Anthony, you say something like something like that, except you say it a little bit differently. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I yeah, like I, I, I can't think of quote. I, I, I have a quote like that, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, in your hotel that works. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, well, if it's this one, it's uh, I don't have a short. I don't have a short temper. I just have a, 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 a short trip to BS or something like that. Yeah, right, right. Maybe that is the, the right one. Okay, Matt says he just looked it up. The public graduation rate over four years is 33%, and the private graduation rate over four years is 52%. Wow, low. So, yeah, 
he's he wants me to say that he his average he averaged them his guess was an average of the two um <laughs> okay so at this hotel what you did here in terms of be impatient for action but um patient for outcomes is you were trying to convince them, hey, you need to shut down in this hotel. You've got a lot of stuff that you have to do. You can either do one room at a time or you can just shut the whole thing down because it's a total disaster and do it all and then open it back up and you have a great investment. And they said no to you like three times. And then you came with the data and you were like, listen, we have to do something now so that you will have results quicker. And what you were showing them is if you do it this way, it's going to be harder in the beginning, but you're going to make your revenue much quicker um, if you'll do it like this. And they were still a little hesitant. Um, they Eventually they agreed. But I think this idea of do something now, measure it, and show your success is really fundamental to what you did there. I mean, you worked so Absolutely. hard on them. I remember doing that chart uh, with my director who happened to be able to to do, he was working on a computer as I was giving him the numbers, and then we had it printed. And the number was like nine hundred thousand. Basically, they can make a million dollars more in like no time. Yeah. And it's so typical of a hotel. Same thing. Like you have to put the hard. You know, you have to go slow to go fast, right? It's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. You have to go slow to go fast, and you gotta you gotta really really be thoughtful, especially when you're dealing with students, especially when you're dealing with with guests is you've got to put in the work so everything, I, like I always say about hotels or even college campuses that I visit, it's it's not what I see, it's what I feel. What does Maya Angelou say? People won't remember what you say and they won't remember what you did, but they'll remember how you feel. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a campus. You know, it's the same thing with your class. It's it's the same thing with, with the teacher that puts in the work um, to, to really like do all the things that you're, you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. The last, I have two more. So let's do the next one, which is about, um, how to avoid doing harm, which I have a lot to say about this. We could, we could probably do a whole session on this. I think what I would say is you have to constantly be measuring and having these feedback loops so that you know that you're not, doing something wrong so that you're not making mistakes. Like your first system is not gonna be perfect, but how are you constantly checking to see what's happening? Um, it's kind of like navigation these days, how Google is like, hey, you're doing great. You have a mile, now you passed your thing. Now you've got to turn around now, right? We're used to this constant feedback as we're going. And if you don't have mechanisms in place where you're constantly getting feedback about your system and where is it feeling and where is it doing better and all that kind of stuff, then you can find yourself off in the field, um, you know, miles off and you would be like, oh, sorry. So yeah, being some people are good at that. Some people are good. That's a good point because some people are really good at holding themselves accountable and knowing where they're going. Whether people say they're going the right or wrong direction, they know where they're going. Yeah. And then a lot of people just don't have that innate ability to know, to tell themselves the truth. Right. And there's so many unintended consequences when you're changing a system that you just are probably not going to be able to um, guess. I'll give you an example. We work with schools that say every student has to declare a major, which makes sense because undeclared students, when they first come in, a lot of times they don't have community and they're, they're a more at risk population. So the way that schools solve that is they say, you can't be undeclared, you have to declare a major. Well, the unintended consequences of that is you have a bunch of people who still don't know what they want their major to be, 
they pick a random thing, then we can identify them as students who need to have career counseling and have those conversations. So they find themselves in a major that they is not suitable. And then after a while they leave, we've lost them. So the intent of that system, declare a major, we want you to be hooked in is good. But if you're not constantly checking on what are the consequences of doing that, then you're going to find yourself in a place that you didn't want to be. Yeah, and especially when you're asking the kid to, to declare the major at that point of being 18 years old, right. living at home, having no uh, parental guidance, bouncing a checkbook, feeding themselves, cleaning themselves, washing their own clothes, driving a car for the first time, and then have the freedom of going out at night. And then you're asking them to declare a major. There's way too much that they have to make a decision for at 18 years old. So we have a great partner school who said no one declares a major. No one is going to have a major until at least their second semester. And for that first semester, we're just going to talk to you about how do you get used to college and how do you learn things and everything that you just said. We have this transition period. Nobody's going to have a major at the beginning. That's a different way to control the system, right? So, okay, I'm on the home stretch. The last one is... Um, this is a really tricky one. Who will pay for what doesn't happen? <sighs> Which is so hard. I've, I've never seen you so frustrated in the show. Listen, this one, yeah, this one was very hard for me. So who, so let me just, let's talk about the hotel first. Let me just get this out of the way because it makes me crazy. Because you were saying to them, hey, if you do not fix this hotel, someone is going to die. Your, your fire extinguishers are out. Like they, it was like five years old. You don't have smoke alarms. Who is going to pay when somebody dies in this hotel? And they basically were like, not us. That's not our problem. We don't have to worry about that, right? The misalignment where you're trying to tell them this is your problem. And they're like, we don't think so. We don't think we're going to have to pay for that was insane, well, go back to that graphic. I want to. I want to. I have a question for you. Why did you cover my mouth? I didn't. That's a screenshot. <laughs> That's a screenshot. What was I saying? I remember exactly what I was saying. Yes, you said the mother of all bad words. Right. Afterwards, you apologize. You're like, "Hey, I'm very sorry I said that," but you were really mad, and I know it's because it's about safety and it's about danger and making sure that people. Because I said you were going to f and kill somebody. Is what yeah. I said. And they just were like, that's, we don't feel like we're going to pay for that. So in higher, how high, one second, how high did I jump? Very high. In fact, so high, I could not get a screenshot of it because it was just a blur. I took, I tried to take it three times and all three times I was like, that's just, that just looked like a blur. (laughs) And what I do do is like right there when they're doing that, I said, you're going to, as I'm saying, you're going to, I think it was, you're going to kill somebody. And I literally jumped. And again, I'm not doing it for, it's just, it's just frustrating because whether, again, whether it be hotels or, or, or universities, most problems are solvable. Right. And a really big problem is when, so this idea, this happens in higher education where you have enrollment management who's, who's incentivized to bring in a bigger class. They're not paying for what doesn't get done, which is student support and academic support. So they're creating a problem for their, because they're incentivized they're creating a problem for somebody else who then is like, we can't do what we need to do because we have a bigger class or athletics where they're recruiting certain students for their team, but they're not thinking about, is this a good fit student? Are they going to retain? Are they going to graduate? So in a system, you have to get it so that 
the people who are paying for the thing that doesn't get done are the people who are in charge of um, kind of the, the input of that problem, right? It, it ha they have to be connected somehow. We can't say you get to do this and then I'm gonna have to pay for it. Well, it, it's, like, it's like when cities make decisions for teachers and never ask the teachers. Right, exactly. So we're gonna do this thing. Okay, but you understand I'm paying for the stuff that you've decided and you're not resourcing me. And so what are we gonna do? So as we're thinking of those systems, you have to figure out ways to get the right parties invested um, in what you're doing. Okay, that was a crazy town hotel impossible. Is there anything else you want to say about it? Oh, this, this is the happiest I've ever seen you on Hotel Impossible. So this is after you convinced them to close it and do all the renovations. <laughs> and it was like, this smile is the result of, you know, 50, a 50 minute show of you just being like, how am I going to get them to do the right thing? Yeah, it was, um, it was very uh, satisfying. Did I believe she was going to do the right thing? I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, but that she said, to, and I like there's shows where I walked away with, but I don't think they were ever going to say at the end of the show, Anthony, what did she say? She got on her hands and knees and she said, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, or what did she say? I think it was, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I doubted you or something. So I knew that I would make a breakthrough and I knew she would eventually listen, but I don't know how long-term it would be. Uh, the sad news is it wasn't long-term. And uh, let's just say her husband was a doctor who yeah. was a very nice man. And she was a doctor. Believe it or not, she was a doctor. No, I did not know that. Well, because she's not a doctor anymore. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's all I'll say about that. All right. That's all I'll say about that. I'll leave that right there. <laughs> what um, my daughter would say, what my daughter would say, who that? When who she was like, he's going to talk about it. She goes, who that? <laughs> Well, I cannot, I, first of all, I cannot recommend that episode enough because it was, it'll make you crazy. Also, this book, you guys should read it. It's a great place for us to stop and hold space to address this issue. We well, could I think what you've done, I, I keep interrupting you, I'm sorry, no, no, what please. I think you've done in this episode is really make it very clear that there is a solution, um, but really the solution is clarity. Let's look at everything. everything it's really what we're trying to get to is clarity, right? So, so why we don't get the clarity in a lot of situations is because we're afraid yeah. of what we're going to find, right? You don't want to open up that shade in the airplane if you never opened it before because you don't know what's outside the window. It yeah. could be aliens. I don't know. We're flying through aliens. Who knows? That's right. And, and so you're opening up the, the shade and you're like, what's out? Oh, okay, it's not so bad. That's why that we never, in a lot of businesses and a lot of, you know, it's not a lot of clarity. I just, on a, on a same note of what you're talking about, but a different example, I just went to get something as I was in between meetings and banks and getting ready for this. I went to get a slice of pizza at my favorite pizza place. And the guy introduced me to the guy who's opened up a bagel store next to him. And he's taken three stores um, and there's three bagel stores in the neighborhood. When I saw that man, I knew this was going to be one of the most successful bagel stores in all of New York because his clarity, what, you can see it in the way he spoke, in the way, and he didn't say anything about why he'll be successful. You just knew that this man was a bagel man. And this grass. man yeah. has clarity of all of the challenges in front of him, and he's prepared to have a solution for every one of them. Yeah, I love that. Because I think if you 
have problem blindness and you don't take ownership and you have tunnel vision, you will not have clarity. You can work through these processes in order to gain clarity, but if you can't overcome the fact that that's not my problem, I don't see it, I don't have time for it, you're sunk. There's, we can't fix anything, right? And, and sometimes you've got like, like I'll say, I'll say to my team or if I'm taking over a hotel, I'll say, I am the biggest problem in the hotel. I'm going to be the biggest problem in the hotel for about six weeks. Yeah. And then I'm not going to be the problem anymore. But right. right now, I'm the biggest I'm the biggest impediment to success. Because if I don't clear the water, we're never going to get to success. Yeah. And I think that that's really important for a supervisor, a manager, a president to understand. It's like, you have got to be the darkest cloud in that water sometimes. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean to be disrespectful or yell or scream. That just means you got to control it. You don't want anybody else seeing anything because if, if you see if the worst thing when you're trying to reshape an organization is allowing everyone to get a piece of it and saying, well, oh, I see your point, boss, or I see your point. Boss. No, 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 you don't. Just because I'm saying something and just because I think we're going to fix this, nobody do anything. Right. And then we will do a whiteboard. And then we will solve the problem on the whiteboard and then we'll all go back to work. Yeah. But the problem that things don't get fixed is because they start picking up the pieces and you can't fix, you can't fix a tire when the car is moving. That's thank you. I was trying to think of that phrase, but I couldn't think of it. You cannot fix a tire when the car is moving. We are not going to be like, Hey, we're going to solve this problem. That's not the problem we got to solve. We got to solve this problem. And guess what? All of that stuff is going to get worked out. Right. I love that. Right. Um, okay, resources. So we have our um, Bridging the Gap um, conference coming up. It's a professional development conference. If you want to register for that, then here's the bit.ly. Uh, Rachel Elam will chat that to you. Also, if you're interested in the Summit Initiative, which is where we're working to close the equity gap, please let me know. Every Tuesday, we're doing our cap and gown um, podcast. So we'd love for you to join us. And here's all of the um, links for you to be able to do that. We've done it again. Thanks for joining me. It's Can always I, I fun. You, I, I, I don't know. You must have had a, a second helping of, of, of sauce because you're on fire today. <laughs> your, 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 your energy, and I, I, like, it's palpable. You can tell how much you care. And, you know, just as an observer and just as a person that comes along for your ride, and, and if I can add anything to it, uh, I, I, I try, but, um, like if people aren't working with you, there's something wrong with them. I'm not saying this is an advertise an advertisement. It's like you care deeply, and you care deeply, and when you care deeply and you have the toolkit to fix the air conditioning, guess what? You're going to have air conditioning. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and that's and you're you you have the toolkit, but more importantly than toolkit, you know where how to use and when to use and where to use the tool. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Anthony, because we really do care, and it's such good work. It just is such good work to figure out how to help these schools, help students fit in, be successful. Um, so we're really grateful to be able to do it. And we're so thankful for your partnership in it. Well, well you know how much I love you guys. But <laughs> I, I, had, I know we're running long, but I, I had a kid that I'm mentoring uh, on my, uh, we, we're, we're developing a hotel in California. And we had, I had this kid in my neighborhood who I got him in a Bellman job. And I said, hey, ghost, I said, ghost my, my uh, meeting on Wednesday. You're going to hear about design, development, financing, ghost, ghost it. So he comes on, give him the Zoom link, and there's a picture of him. And I'm texting him, dude, you're not ghosting it. That's not ghost. I see your ghost. And he was like, well, it's my picture. I was like, I don't want to see your face. I <laughs> Do want you know what ghost. ghost means? 
I was like, I want you to ghost. I, I said, people know you're here, but I don't want to be staring at you because you'll throw me off. <laughs> so he go he ghosted. And then at the end, after he earned it, I allowed him to come come in and meet everyone. But but like I just helping him and knowing what he learned in that one or two hour meeting, like it just gives you such you're just so grateful. And so I'm so happy that I had that opportunity because I didn't get an opportunity like that until I was 40. And uh, it was, it, it, it just feels really, really good. You know what he says to me? What? And he didn't mean this, but, well, he meant it, but like, he, he, he goes, you know, it wasn't that boring. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> you know, it, 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 um, it's like me saying at the end, he's like, all right, how'd you like that? It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I didn't fall asleep. So, you know, that's something. <laughs> All right, friend, good to spend time with you. Um, and everybody join me next week for um, cap and gown. And then Anthony and I will be together a week after next. Have a Can great day. Can I ask you a question? Can I yeah. ask you one more question? One yeah. question before we go. I, I meant to ask you before, but uh, I didn't want to interrupt you. Okay. Not bad uh, university, not good university. Just a university. You become the president. Okay. Ooh. You're the president of a university. I like this game. Yes. Okay. President of university. You have eight hours to be president of the university, and then you're gone. Eight hours. They're bringing you in for eight hours. Okay. Your first, and I literally mean your first decision. What's the first uh -huh. thing you're going to do? That decision, what's the first thing you're going to do? That's a better question. Um, I'm going to go eat lunch with the students in the cafeteria. Wow. I love that. I think... We do that when we go to campuses and you just learn everything. everything. Yeah, everything. So that's my answer. Wow, that's a great answer. <laughs> so everybody listening, go have go, go to the cafeteria. Go, go have lunch with the students in the cafeteria. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.